Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Once again, I can't thank you guys enough for believing in me and helping me get this message out to all these amazing guests that I have on to so many people. And I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery and Thread Wallets. You guys are amazing. The music that you heard at the beginning and at the end of this podcast is by my good friend, Paul Cardall. He's a, a an award-winning pianist, and I, you know, he's also one of one of my really good friends, and so I'm grateful for him for allowing us to use his music. And uh, just can't thank you guys enough. And today we are joined by Susan Harrow. Susan, thank you for joining us today. I couldn't wait. It was so exciting to have be on. Yeah. Yeah, we finally are doing this. We've been trying <laughs> to do this for a while now, <laughs> and but I can't thank you enough for being on, Susan, and all the great things you're, you know, you're up to. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. You guys are in for a treat today. This woman's powerful. She, 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 you know, her, her life is her message. And, you know, it's a quote by Gandhi, but I know that that's the way she lives, man. You just see all the good that she's doing and that's who she is. And so a little background on Susan, she's a media trainer, marketing strategist, a martial artist, which I want to hear more about. Um, she's the author of sell yourself without selling your soul. She specializes in working with leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, innovators, solving the world's most pressing problems. She's been, for the past 33 years, she's trained thousands of CEOs, speakers, authors, you know, TV, radio, panel, podcasts, the, the list goes on. Uh, she has prepared her clients to appear on Oprah, 60 Minutes, Larry King Live, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, Fox. I mean, the list goes on there too. She's been featured in all kinds of TV and uh, magazine uh, articles. Uh, she has a course called The Zen of Fame, Your Genius Gone Viral, where she shows people how to promote themselves with integrity and spirit. She's also known as the go-to girl for getting people on Oprah. Uh, what you might not know about her, she, you know, again, she's this black belt, which I can't wait to talk about. And she was also recruited by the CIA to be a spy. Wow. I mean, that we could do a whole segment on that, I think. So <laughs> anyway, the list goes on and on again, Susan, my honor to, in our, you know, to have you on the show today. Why don't we start off though, with where did you grow up and tell us a little bit about your family and your childhood? You know, one time when I was on a TV show, my I was I was tasked to do a bio. And in my wild bio, I wrote, my mother was a gypsy who read people's fortunes on their faces. And my father was a marionette maker who taught me to go through life with no strings attached. Wow. And to my horror, <laughs> she read this because <laughs> I meant it. I meant it metaphorically. I did oh, okay. it literally. And I created that because my brother was is a musician and he's a world famous klezmer musician and scholar and had traveled okay. all over the world. And he said, people are always messing up my bio, you know, the media, no matter what I do. So I wrote this crazy bio, he said, so right. that they couldn't change it. And I thought, well, let me do the same. Yeah. 
And so that is true <laughs> metaphorically that my mom, you know, she was my first media coach. She okay. really would always stump me with these these pop questions that were really inappropriate, you know, about, you know, dating boys or whatever. Right. And it really is true that my dad did, you know, teach us to go through life with no strings attached. So I thought those were two trainings where now from right. my mom, I learned to read people and to like see to the core immediately and, and that kind of spontaneity. And with my dad, it's more like the yeah. thoughtful and, you know, really teaching us um, what was important in life. Yeah. So no strings attached. Is that basically saying like you, anything's possible? You don't, you can, you know, whatever you decide to put your mind to, you can go, go, go. My dad that? was a real, real women's liver. He had a secretary yeah. at that time. Women were secretaries and he promoted sure. his secretary up through the ranks wow. of his corporations. Yeah. That he worked for. And he really did teach me that, you know, I could do anything that boys could do. And yeah. so, you know, at one point I was actually playing on a boys tennis team <laughs> uh, because we didn't have a girls tennis team in Maryland. It yeah. was just boys. So I played my, my boyfriend was number one. I was number two and we <laughs> played number one doubles together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He was your boyfriend. Yeah. My, I had a boyfriend in high school and he was number one, not my oh. father. <laughs> no. no, I know. No, I know that. Yeah. yeah. That's so what I meant. Friend was I had a boyfriend and he was number one and that's cool. I was number two. And then we were number one doubles. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So were you, I mean, you know, the way you carry yourself, I mean, I'm really impressed with the way you live your life. Honestly, like I've, I've done a lot of studying on you and watched a lot of videos about you and, you know, read a few articles about you. Have you always been this confident, strong, powerful woman? I mean, as you were growing up, talk about some of that, how you were feeling back then and maybe some of the struggles and how you overcame those. No, I still don't see myself as <laughs> as confident and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, a worrier. And mm -hmm. I think that part of learning all of these practices is to dispel the worry and anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, because I think I'm a natural fretter, okay. you know, so, <laughs> so do I have confidence? I think, you know, the research has shown that competence builds confidence. And I think I have, because I know how to practice, I was raised, uh, playing classical music, that's practicing. Yeah. I was raised, you know, when I became interested in tennis, I became crazed about tennis where I went to a tennis camp and I practiced so much and was so devoted that they asked me to come back and teach when I was 16. Oh, so wow. I think it's that kind of devotion. And then yeah. I apply the same thing to media training. It's like mm. practice, iteration and practice. So when I was growing up, I went to three different high schools. The first was one of the best in the United States in Highland Park, Illinois. The second was one of the worst in the United States. It was where um, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the um, what was the name of the movie, uh, The Exorcist. So oh, it was yeah. the town with the exorcist. <laughs> Our priest was the priest who had his tongue cut out. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. from The Exorcist. And this school okay. was at that time, there were race riots and there were gun searches in the locker. You know, they searched your lockers for guns and they were trying to do integration very unsuccessfully. So at one point, um, I'm, I've always been very sportsy, the captain of the volleyball team, tennis, badminton, all of that sort of thing. And we were playing volleyball and the black girls were on one side and the white girls were on the other. And I, and the black girls always won. And I thought, you know, this stinks and I hate losing. So I plop myself over on the black girl side Okay. to their dismay. 
And they're sure. like, you know, they were all over me. Like, you better not make a mistake. You better not make us lose. And what are you doing over here anyway? And I just ignored them and played. And I was, you know, pretty good. So they let me stay because I thought, why are, if the school is going to be doing integration, why aren't the teachers encouraging that? Right. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to take this into my own hands and do it myself. And so then eventually more white girls came over to the black girls side. So we yeah. have more integrated practice. And then this sort of, uh, in this, I sort of followed the same thing when I was getting my teaching credential for high school, I asked them to open up mission high school in San Francisco because, okay. and, and it, nobody else wanted to go there, but I wanted to have an experience of diversity. And that wasn't even a word there, but there were kids yeah. who came over in boats from China and, and from the wars in El Salvador at that time. And there were kids who hadn't even seen a pencil before right. coming yeah. into the classroom. And that's where, and they opened up the school for me and I started teaching those kids. And part of what I taught them was just practical things because I thought yeah. these kids are not going on to college. Um, you know, I love Shakespeare. I majored in Shakespeare, but they don't care about Shakespeare. Yes, can I make it relevant? But let me teach them how to look someone in the eye, shake their hand and get a job. Mm. And I started just working on really practical things, incorporating that into the curriculum. And that's one big dream that I have is to bring like now it's called EQ, emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. EQ in the communication in school, along with Aikido, which is the practice that I do in martial arts, which is really about love, compassion, understanding, and accepting people as, as who they are. That's really the basis of the martial arts. And, and that has been used in peace practices, even in the Middle East, to bring wow. people together. Yeah. yeah, so that's my dream to bring Aikido and communication practices to high schools. Wow, that's beautiful. Did you did you start doing that when you were younger? To, to I mean, was that no, one of your goals? No, I started. No, belt? I started as fifty six. Really? And, yes, and 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 it took me what was it six years or eight years to get a black belt? But here's the thing, Todd. So I, as I said, I came from an athletic background, but I was the worst kid in the class in Aikido because it's so different than tennis. You know, I hand yeah. I hitting a ball or badminton and that sort of is your yeah. whole body and it's like three-dimensional and there's so many different aspects of it that I couldn't even grok it but I saw it I was um I took a leadership course and there was a guy who actually had his black belt test that's when I first saw the Aikido and I'm like wow this is for me yeah. and I said I don't know what's involved but it was so beautiful and elegant and transformative, I thought I want to incorporate that into my practice as a media trainer. So no, I was so bad that that people ran in another direction to not train with me. So you have to <laughs> bow into a person next to you on the right or the left. People would get up and run away. <laughs> yes, it was horrifying. Oh man! So you asked me if I was confident every night. Um, my sweetie would say to me, um, for, "I would because I would every day after practice. You, I never cried on the mat, but when I was in my car, I would cry. I'm like, I'm so bad at this. It's so beautiful. I want to be good at it, and this is so horrifying to be rejected over mm -hmm. and over again. And I want to do this so much, um, but I cried every single night in my car for years." Wow. Yeah. And, and my sweetie would say to me, um, 
don't hurt anyone, hurt, don't hurt anyone and don't get hurt. And soon you'll have your long black skirt. We, we have a hakama, which is a, like a, a long black culotte. And okay. he would say that to me every day when I left for Aikido. And I thought if I just continue to do this yeah. and be devoted. So I went two hours a day, um, every day for four days a week. And I'm still not, it's not pretty. I'm a, I'm a black belt, but that just means you in, in our, you know, vernacular, it just means now you are ready to teach, you be taught. You are oh, now entering the realm of being taught when you're a first degree black belt. Interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause you hear black belts like, Oh wow, man, this woman, you know, but I love how I didn't know, realize that, that you know, now you're ready to actually now be taught. That's that's the, that's the philosophy. It's like okay. you finally entered the realm. So, you know, while it's a great accomplishment, you know, what you see when yeah. you see really great black belts, what you're seeing is people who are third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh degree, but that looks really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Thanks that. for sharing that. That's really, that's really interesting and really neat. So, you know, you go to these high schools, you know, you're starting to, you, you have, you kept, you keep using the word devotion. You're a very devoted person, obviously. doesn't mean you don't have your struggles, which you just mentioned, which again, makes you just real, you know, makes me realize you're just, you're human, just like all of us, you know, and, but you just keep pushing through and doing certain things after you get through with high school. And did you go to college? Did you, and then what did, what got you into like being a media trainer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did go to college. I went to UC Santa Barbara and okay. UC Berkeley and majored in English and Shakespeare, which is very useful in the real world, right? <laughs> um, and then I um, I worked in advertising for a while because I thought I wanted to uh, write and create. And I just found that wasn't really my world. And mm. so I actually worked for a couple of startups, one that got acquired by MCI Sprint. Um, so I, and I sold automated building controls, which is, um, smart buildings for hundreds oh. of thousands of dollars in the Silicon Valley, like to HP. Okay. And then from there, I really thought, well, let's make the marriage of, um, of sales and my communication. So I thought, well, maybe PR is what I want to go to. So there was this woman in my writing class and she was working for Bill Graham presents and, uh, um, the North face. And she, and I just said, Hey, can I shadow you? Mm. Baptism by far. Right. Yeah. And I said, can I shadow you? So I just went over to her house, started watching what she did. And she's like, why don't you give it a go? And I'm like, well, can I see you do it first? Like, she's like, get on the phone and start booking people, you know, on radio, TV, print. Yeah. And I'm like, can I see you do it first? And I just watched her jumped on the phone. Cause I was used to doing that as a salesperson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And started doing it myself. And then my one of my first clients was Missy Park of Title IX Sports, who is now one of the largest retailers of women's sports clothing. But yeah. at that time, she was one person in a warehouse. And I started building my business there. And when you said like struggles, well, yeah, I was living in San Francisco at the time. So I took a job at a law firm for the receptionist. And I said, I'm going to be the best receptionist you ever had with under one condition, though. Um, when I have spare time, I'm allowed to make calls, PR calls, and I can then use, use all of that time to build my business. And the HR person said, yes. So I built my business. <laughs> I paid my rent with, by being a receptionist. And for some reason, so Todd, I have a really great memory for like voices and faces. So I pretty much knew all of the clients and their voices on the phone immediately. So, you know, I could create yeah. that kind of rapport. Um, so that's how I built my PR business in terms of doing the 
um, media placements, which is booking people on, you know, Larry King okay. Live, the Today Show and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and all of that. Yeah. And then what I found was that um, I got all these great placements for people, but sometimes what, what happened was a great big nothing. Mm. And my clients were saying, well, Susan, I got in the Wall Street Journal of the New York Times, but nothing happened for my business. And I'm thinking that's not my fault. Right. <laughs> I did the booking. And so yeah. I started listening to what they said. And I started mm. really hearing that it wasn't something that was going to connect with their audiences. And that's when I started media training them, which oh, okay. makes a difference. So lots of people, when they say PR doesn't work, it's not that PR doesn't work. It's sometimes they don't work. And what you and I talked about, my life is my message. Everything you do say are and think needs to be in complete alignment mm -hmm. for things to line up and work for you. If something's out of place, if the look and feel of your website or you doesn't match, people pick that up. Yeah. And, and then they don't want to do business with you. So that's what I work with people on in the background. That's part of my martial arts training. It's part of the teaching tennis. It's like everything lining up, you yeah. know, um, internally as well as externally. So yeah. we really work on that fundamental level in terms of mindfulness, in terms of practices, internal practices that we do before you, you reach out to the media and then practices. What do you do when you're actually in an interview, that kind of role play. So we do both. So it's building your mental okay. and muscle memory, um, yeah. and, and skills, both, behind the scenes, like a meditation practice or other yeah. practices that you, that you build that, um, internal fire. Yeah. Yeah. And the internal strength is what it is. Mental agility and an internal strength. Dang, that's powerful. Okay. You know, it's what, what strikes me right now is that again, going back to just being determined, like you said, when you had, when you got that job, like as long as you, you know, I'll be the best at what I do here, but as long as you'll allow me to make some calls and do these things. I mean, that that's a pretty bold thing to do. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that time. I just thought there's no way I'm just going to be a receptionist. Right. And, you know, uh, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and um, after, you know, having kind of a high powered job in sales and everything, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, and people yeah. would ask, why are you a receptionist? And I'm like, well, cause I'm building this other business. So it yeah. was my, it was my base, but yeah. So I really, I really believe in asking for things on your own terms. Like even when you're, when you're crafting your own, if you, if you have a job where you're working with someone else, um, you want to make your way and say what your, of course, what you're going to do for them, but what you, how you want to build yourself as yeah. well, because you're building yourself to help whoever, if you're working with somebody, build their business. And if it's your, if it's your own business, you're building yourself for those kind of skills to have that. So I never thought about it as being bold. Yeah. That you named it as bold. Like I didn't think about it like that. I mean, maybe yeah. just because I'm kind of blunt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, it just goes with, with who you are. You know, you're not, you, you, you speak your truth kind of go, even going back to, like you said, living your life without strings attached. It's like, you know what, I, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm going. And I'm just going to let people know this as I go along my path of my life. That's it's yeah. just interesting. I'm watching these things just kind of fall into place as you're talking. 
So interesting you say that because that's kind of the role that I played in our dojo as the um in the martial arts, even though because I have kind of a big mouth, you know, <laughs> some people criticize me for that, that I wasn't mm. respectful enough to the masters or, oh. you know, our sensei, our teachers. Yes, because, you know, um, I think what my parents taught me and that I really internalized is that everyone is equal heads of state, like I've taught tennis to, when I taught at tennis camp, I taught kids of heads of state and movie stars, kids and things like that. But I think of every, uh, my parents taught me to talk to anyone at, yeah. and not pay attention to quote unquote rank or right. place in society. And, and I think that that kind of training, I'm, I'm a trained extrovert. I'm actually an introvert, but my, my parents mm. really taught me to look someone in the eye, shake their hand, have a conversation, yeah. find out about them. And I think that extended. And what, what I was saying about being on the Aikido floor is there's so much politics and patriarchy everywhere. So it's in, right. in businesses, but it's also where I didn't really know it would be. And I mean, it's mostly a male dominated industry, right? Like in, yeah. in, but I didn't realize how much politics and how much planning and kind of negotiating there was on the dojo floor in terms of people rank and respect to the teachers and all of that sort of thing. And it's not that I didn't respect the teachers. It was that my goal is to get better in Aikido. So whatever I needed to do, yeah. to do that, like I was going to ask for help. Wow. And so if that meant um, volunteering, like the sensei knew to be made a fool of. So the sensei knew that, no, I mean, seriously, as a, he knew if he wanted to demonstrate things and nobody would come up, I would do it to be, um, to look stupid because I wanted to learn. Wow. Because that was my goal is to learn. And it was like, like at one point he um, said, Susan, come up here and demonstrate. And he showed how he could hold me down with one finger on my arm and I couldn't get up. And he said, uh, am I hurting you? I said, just my pride. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, I love that. That's amazing. Well, you know, I love what you said there too, about you don't know unless you ask, right? The power of asking yeah. just like the answer is always no, unless you ask, right? It, it could still be no, but at least you ask the question. And surprisingly, like even when I'm doing this podcast, you know, I've reached out to, you know, some high level people, you know, on a whim, you know, I'm like, well, the answer is no, if I never ask, I, at least I can ask and maybe they'll still say no, but it's interesting. I've gotten a lot of yeses. <laughs> well, I bet you have. Yeah which yeah. is really cool. And I just love that philosophy that you're talking about. It's like, you know what? No, I'm just, I've been taught to ask. I'm going to ask, Hey, I want to do this. Let me try this again. I look at that as bold. I think it's bold, um, that you do that. And I think that's a good way to, that we all should be a little bit more like that. And it's scary. I mean, I recognize that it can be really scary. Right. And, um, and, I think I'm always looking at what is my goal and, mm -hmm. and even though it's scary in the moment, can I do it? And I can't always do it. Right. Oh, I mean, it's not always not like I have a hundred percent success record, <laughs> but, yeah. but I have that spirit and that, yeah. you know, that, that spirit that, that if this is the goal that I want, what am I willing to do to, to get it and consistently asking. And so in martial arts as well, um, the guys would stay late and afterwards. And even though I was super, super bad, I thought, well, there doesn't seem to be any 
rules to who can stay late and yeah. train. So I just always stayed. And yeah. so the guys had to train me and they eventually accepted me because I was an eager learner. And even though I was really bad and it must've been really frustrating to, to train me. I mean, one guy who was helping me in my, my, it was my second Q test. You have to go through, um, there's how many is there's eight cues or seven cues before you reach black belt, seven different like levels. Okay. And um, he was teaching me and he just started shouting at me because he was so frustrating. And I finally said to him, I go, you know, you're trying to help me, but the, but shouting at me, I really can't learn that way. I said, okay. so, yeah. so please, um, here's how I learn. Um, you need to just take it tell me to do one thing at a time because Aikido was so complicated and he was telling oh, me all the 10 yeah. things to do. I said, tell me one <laughs> thing at a time, like tell me where to put my feet, then yeah. tell me where to move my body. Then, and I said, this is how to teach me. Mm. I said, because otherwise I'm not getting it. And yeah. he's sort of calmed down. And, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's part of the asking too. Like if yeah. you're like, it wasn't working for me and it wasn't working for him too, yeah. right? To, to teach yeah. me doing it in the best spirit, but it wasn't really helping me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love that. Well, you know, you've, you've created this amazing business, uh, you know, again, with all, again, with all this experience you had growing up and the things you've already explained to us, you've been named one of the top 10 media coaches, um, by Huffington post. Tell us about your business. You wrote a, an amazing book called sell yourself without selling your soul. You do one-on-one -on -one consulting, you help so many people. Tell us how you got that started and kind of what you're doing today with that. Yeah. So I've always worked with socially conscious entrepreneurs, um, people who are making a difference with the world's most pressing problems, but that can also mean a fabulous chocolate bar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and, and um, to sort of balance out the heavier stuff, you know, um, gender inequality. And uh -huh. like I had one client who was, um, uh, the first autistic lawyer, woman lawyer in her twenties. Oh, yeah. Really? So I, I mean, and she, you know, like for example, she was saying, why are, why aren't people like me creating these diversity courses? And I'm like, yeah, people yeah. who are neurodiverse should be creating the neurodiverse courses. So makes sense. Yeah. Makes <laughs> sense. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, but that's not how the world works until somebody right. changes it. So, um, yeah, so I work with people. So they, their message has real meaning and really lands when they do and kind of any, whether it's a podcast, a panel, um, a print or radio TV, I work with them behind the scenes to prepare for those individual interviews. And then we, we iterate like what we were talking about before we practice to make sure to role play. We do role play. So it's role actually play. okay. Real, real life situations, what this would be like and making sure, um, looking at where all your trigger points are. So you work through those with me versus on camera in front of a million people or, you know, in print, you get print in print in Forbes or Inc. And you can never take it back. You can ruin your reputation in a moment. So wow. I work with people. So they're, they build their business and brand and the perception of them is what they want in in all of those, in all of those mediums. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I work either one-on-one -on -one with people or they can take the Xenofame course. And um, I have lots of free things on my website, prsecrets.com, videos, special reports, masterclasses. Um, all those things are, are free as well. If that's yeah. where you can start. Mm -hmm. 
That's a beautiful website, by the way. Thank you. It it, again, aligns up with who you are, right? Because beauty, beauty and elegance and that kind of feel, uh, richness, that that kind of um, abundant, if I wanted to feel cozy and and abundant. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Well, you know, I, I, I was watching something that you were explaining some things that, you know, if you want to have a successful interview. And one of the things you said that really stood out to me was you, you, you need to, you need to give to get, what are yeah. you going to give to sure. get back? Explain that because I really love that principle. I share it with my own clients about if you want to be, give it away, so to speak. And that's kind of what that principle I learned, which changed my life in so many ways, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So most of us are self-conscious uh, you know, and we're nervous because we're thinking about what, what people think of us. But if you can right. flip it in two ways, like E.M. Forrester said, only connect. So your job mm. is to connect with your audience and to um, ask the question. It's a, it's a, it's a simple question is like, what do, what does my audience need to know now and how can I help? So what can you give that, you know, if the question is, what am I here to give? what get with the gifts and the abilities and the magic that I have, what can I deliver that connects with the audience that I'm trying to connect with? So that's always the question versus um, what can I get back from that? Of course, we all want things back, but that, and that, and that, and I ask all of my clients three questions. Um, Number one is what's your big vision? How do you want to serve? Number two is what do you want for yourself professionally, personally, physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually, because PR can open all of that. So we really look at the whole picture of yeah. what you want. And then what do you want my audience to do? What action do you want them to take? And okay. that's the energetic connection between gotcha. people because you want the people who resonate with you. Yeah. Right? So, so when you were talking about like my choice for the law firm, it was, um, it's a choice that, you know, we are doing an, an exchange and it's got yeah. to, it's got to be, it's got to work for both of us. So when, when I'm looking at a job or a client, I'm looking at, are we the, are we a good match? Not, can I sell them? But are, is this going to make both of us deliriously and deliciously happy working <laughs> together? And can we right. accomplish what they want and more? Right. Right. Like, so sometimes when I ask my clients, like rate me on a scale, we're rating the call together on a scale of one to 10. Some people say a thousand, you know, so it's, they got more than they imagined because we don't even know what our great capacities are together to reach the other person's goals. That's what I'm looking at. Like, how do you, what, how can I help you go where you want to go and beyond? where you can't even imagine that, right? Like ex- let's expand the beyond. Okay. Love Do you know it. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because so, I think it's the job of you and I, right? To like show p- people, like just expand their own vision. Like some people have a vision. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, is that big enough? Is that is that big enough for what you really want, mm. you know, for your work in the world, for your work on yourself? Because yeah. when I talk about Gandhi's message, my life is my message. Yeah. That really is. And Jim Rohn said it best. He said, um, uh, well, how did he phrase it? I, um, If you work on a job, you can make money. But you, if you work on yourself, you can make a fortune. Ooh. And I think he's not just, I mean, he's not just talking about money. 
Yes. He's talking about the riches within each of us working on ourselves. So when people say they want to change the world, they have to change themselves first. It's not the world, right? It's the internal shifts that people, just like with my sensei, I, I want to embody his qualities. You know, I studied him and always positioned myself right behind him. So I could like see my body and his body to take Mm. on that kind of transmission. And that's what I'm, you know, where can we get those like transmissions? I wish it were that easy. Like I remember reading a book, it was about (laughs) Russians and how they could like put their hand. It was like uh, Russian spy stuff. It was like, they could put their hand on a book and get all of the information out of the book. I wish that were true (laughs) for me. I tried it, but right. Like, and I feel like that we can do that with people too. Like we see a quality, we can embody the quality, but then it does take it doesn't, it's not always like instant. It takes that kind of practice to embody that quality. Yeah. I love that. That's beautifully said. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you talk about embodying things and wanting to mimic certain things. What, what does your day look like? Like, how do you keep yourself, you know, centered, so to speak, and, and with this energy and this passion that you have and the devotion you have to your work? It's a big job. <laughs> Because I'm I'm highly sensitive, you know, and I think, um, you know, I was thinking about this, Todd, I actually started meditating when I was in, I was really young, I was in church, and I was looking at a candle. And suddenly, I wasn't there anymore. And Mm -hmm. I felt like this deep love and deep sort of expansiveness. And I didn't know it was meditation. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. but I realized that that was like the first experience of like not being just, just completely in my body. And by the way, I guess the rebelliousness started early because I, I felt like I refused to go to confession because I thought, why do I have to talk to a priest? Why aren't I talking directly to God? You know, why do I have an intermediary? I said to my mom, I'm like, you can make me come. She made me come and sit in the pew. I said, but you can't make me go in the confessional booth and confess. You can make me go in the booth, but I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) I'm going to tell my quote unquote sins directly to God, you know, and have a direct communication. So I think I started exploring that and exploring Buddhism. So my daily practices start before I get out of bed. I do a number of practices because once I'm out of bed, I was just talking to my BFF. We studied meditation together in Paris 45 mm-hmm. years ago. We were, mm-hmm. we, we studied intensely. There was some spiritual masters, but we, before that I said to her, I go, if I'm out of bed, I'm already not going to, my day has started. I'm running around. So I, yeah. I, I'm in bed. I pet my cats. They come up for their love. So that's very calming because <laughs> they're both purring. I feel sure, like yeah. we meditate together because they're purring away. <laughs> And I start um, doing, I pretty much tap every day. And then mm-hmm. I do med- I do a meditation and I do something else called the one command. Um, wow, so, okay. yeah. So it's just, um, it's a practice of going into theta, going into the, um, oh, yeah. the theta realm. Yeah. So I practice that. And then um, on my altar behind me, which you can't see behind those doors, I always start my day by saying, um, open, I light a candle and I say, open my path before me. It's Carolyn O'Casey who says, open my path before me and grant me the opportunity to be of maximum good in the world. So that's my deepest intention for every day. When I'm, when I'm with a client or I say, may this be for our highest good, guide me, guide me to this highest good 
for that person, for both of us yeah. together. So yeah. that's when you're talking about like not selling or whatever. See, that's my behind. Even when I go to networking things, it's like, can I meet great people? Can I right. connect with the people who I need to connect with that yeah. um, will either become friends or great business partners or whatever, but can I just meet great, great people? Yeah. Wow. Who, who I resonate with. And then yeah. at the end of my day, I have kind of rituals at the end of the day as, as well. Yeah. Okay. You know, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I've noticed people who are typically just in my experience for doing this for 33 years, people who have a morning routine on some level typically are a little happier. They're a little really? I really do see that. I, I oh, like a morning a, meditation routine or yeah, or, like I, I heard a statement once that really stood out to me. Um, if you win the first hour of the day, you win the day. If you lose the first hour of the day, you spend the rest of the day looking for it, right? You were anxious, we're, you know, we're running that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I was a, I'm a former drug addict alcoholic and my mentor 33 years ago said, Todd, you need to come up with a morning routine. He goes, the best thing for your recovery will, will be that. And I didn't really fully believe it when he first told me because uh, I wasn't a morning person, right? But uh, it truly has been the single greatest thing that's ever gift I've ever given myself is kind of similar to some things that you're doing is setting my intent for the day, you know, reading my declaration, imagining my day going the way it needs to go, imagining having this podcast session with you, so to speak, and, and learning from you, Susan, and all the great things that you're doing and, and putting myself in that mind mindset. And it's just, it's awesome. And I, so I, when I hear you say that, it doesn't surprise me that you do something really uh, intentional in the morning to get your day going in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think it's important. And sometimes I'm really impatient with it. I have to say, <laughs> Me you too. know, like this morning, like I woke up at 5am, you know, and I'm like, okay, do I go back to sleep? Do I do I do meditation? Do I get up and get coffee? Right. You know? And even though I didn't want to do it, I thought I want to yeah. prepare for this podcast, and I want to be in the right mindset. So I went through. And you know, once you start, I think sometimes the hardest time is starting it, right? Yeah. Sure. And even with Aikido, because it was so hard to go, what I would do, because I'm tired at the end of the day, it starts at six, yeah, right? I don't want to go. I would put on my, my gi, I would put on my, I would okay, put yeah. my gi and my hakama, I would get dressed mm. before that I was tired, you know, like at five o'clock, even though I needed to leave at five 30, because then I would have to get undressed if I wasn't going to go. Yeah. Right. So it was part of my, like getting myself out the door even though it was really hard and I was tired and 99% of the time I didn't want to go, but 99.9% .9 of the time I was happy that I went right after, even yeah. if it was like super hard and I was crying in my car, I was still glad that I went, but that's part of the, I don't know. That's the really hard part. I think of, um, and I heard a yoga a teacher talk about this too, you know, that she didn't, she was a teacher and a, and a yoga mat, quote unquote master. And she's like, she'd wake up every day and she didn't want to do yoga. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. really you like, this is your life. And she's like, yeah, it's really hard. Like I'm going to get up and start with the five minutes. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. see if I can go into a longer routine. Sometimes I can't, yeah. you know? So I was kind of surprised to hear that from her that it was that it was hard for her too because we always think it's 
it's easy for people who we see have, have some level of mastery. Right. Love that. Well, a couple, couple things I want to ask you. Some of these are sometimes tough, but uh, what do you love most about yourself? Wow. That's, <laughs> you know what I love most? My, my BFF just sent me an article on uh, what makes, how to become, a, how are, can you become a creative genius? Mm. And I loved that she and I are very similar. I said, we met in, we met in Paris and became really great friends, best friends. Um, but the number one thing is I'm a curious person. Mm. I really am curious and care about others. So that's yes. what I like about myself yeah. that some people like my sweetie calls it. What do you see? You're interrogating me, you know, <laughs> you interrogated me. Um, but he said, uh, what did he call me? He said, you captured me by sexy listening. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So he said, you do, you do sexy listening. So I think that's one of my, I think that's one of my good qualities is I do sexy oh. listening. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you for, for sharing that. I love that. You know, if there's someone listening to your voice right now that uh, might be struggling, they're in a dark place, they just are stuck. They're just struggling right now. What would you tell that one person right now listening to you? Movement is so great to move energy. I think sometimes what happens, and this is this is proven out in research too, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. when if you're depressed or you're sad, yeah. movement. I remember, okay, so when so I'm an athlete, right? But I had this boyfriend and he um started running uh 12 miles a day, and I was running five. And I thought, well, if he can run 12 miles, then I can I can certainly yeah. run. 12 miles. So I started upping, you know, I ran when I was at UC, UCSB, Santa Barbara, I ran in the morning on the beach in the afternoon around the lagoon. And one day this woman um, came up to me and she said, I see you running every day. I want to start. And I, I don't know what to do. And she was pretty heavy, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I said, um, start by walking a block, one mm -hmm. block. Yeah. I said, because you can do that. And then I forgot about, I mean, I was a, you know, I was what, 18 or something. Yeah, and I right. came back to visit Santa Barbara, the, to my friends, like a year later. And that woman saw me and came up to me and said, I started walking that block. Now I'm running five miles. I'm like, what? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And so even yeah. like this random thing mm -hmm. where so start with the smallest micro movement that is and if it is just for you going outside to your gate and back to get that movement in your body and then the other thing that i think is so healing todd not everybody's an animal lover but i think animals are really yeah amazing creatures so sure. i mean i've sometimes like i do walk every day three to four miles and sometimes i'm super crabby you know yeah, and yeah. it's really hard to walk but i have strategies to do that but i can tell you i love all the dogs i know all the dogs in the neighborhood and the quickest way to get me out of a bad mood is dog love yeah right because so true. They're, just, they're so excited to see you there's this one dog enzo who looks deeply he's got these gold eyes he's like a uh, not a labradoodle, a golden doodle. Golden doodle, yeah. He's got these beautiful golden eyes. And I swear to God, he's the most soulful dog. Comes up to me and looks into my eyes, puts his hand on mine, loves me up and gazes into my eyes like Tantra or something. Yeah. And I just feel like 
and so happy making to pet a dog and to have a dog love. And I have two cats, but I was growing up with dogs, but any kind of animal love, I think it's really helpful to yeah. people who are depressed or sad or whatever, because, because animals know, and because animals just love us, no matter who yeah. we are, or what kind of mood we're in. Yeah. No, I think that's very and it well said. Your own dog. It doesn't yeah, have to be your own dog or cat. You know, yeah. it'd be the the neighborhoods because you know that's how I, you know, fill up too with the not so much the people, the owners, but yeah. the dogs themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. I love that. Um, so, if if there's people out there that want to use your services, they want to get your book, they want to maybe do some one on one with you. What's the best way for someone to do that? You mentioned your website, prsecrets.com. Talk yeah. a little bit more about that and then how someone could get in touch with you. Yeah, hop on over there. And then there's, uh, if you want to get in touch with me and have a, create an appointment, there's, I have a link for that. So you can just, you fill that out and we get to know each other that way. And then all the other, I have like that free thing. But other thing, other, the other thing that I think would be helpful to your audience is that I have an opt-in um, that's called, you know, uh, it's, um, it's called, it's, it's to create your signature story because we all, if you're planning to do any media, you have to have your story of origin or your signature story. So I have a PDF that is five templates of the most common stories and you can okay. do it in five minutes because it's fill in the blank and then you can modify it as such, but everybody can get their signature story done. If you're a speaker, if wow. you're going on a podcast, because the first yeah. Um, question a podcast host asks is why do you do what you do? Yeah. Do you want to have a story of origin? I actually didn't tell my story of origin this time because we went off in another direction, but I yeah. have like, I, I have a number of them to fit different um, right. things. So it's, it's prsecrets.com forward slash SIG pod, S I G P O D. So like signature podcast. Gotcha. So prsecrets.com forward slash SIG pod. So that's a great place um, where anybody can start if you, and even if you have a signature story, it might inspire you to have another one, um, right. another different type. And there, right. there, of course, there are more than five types, but these are the five main types. The main types. Yeah. yeah you can do it yeah. in five minutes. I love that. What, yeah. what's, what's, uh, on the horizon for you? Do you got any big plans, any, another book coming out or anything like that? That's something you're working on that you could share with us? I have been really thinking about this a lot lately. Um, so I don't know about another book. I'm going to be working on a TV pilot, I think. Oh, really? Wow. It has to do with martial arts and Ooh. girls, girls and martial arts. And the other thing that I have, because somebody just asked me to be on their podcast about this, but we didn't talk about this. I do have a course for girls and I was creating one for women. Mm. We went into COVID called okay. True Shield Verbal Self-Defense for Girls. I licensed it to schools and organizations and dojos and shelters and that sort of place. So it's the 10 most difficult or dangerous situations that girls find themselves in to stay safe. And it teaches them. It's okay. actual, it's an in-person program that then the teachers or the, you know, the phys ed teachers or whoever teaches in schools they okay. teach themselves. So it's a program. I don't teach it. It's already laid out. So they right. can teach it. So that's something that I really would love to revive now that we're back in person again. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm 99% done with that course for women in corporations. Oh, so I haven't wow. taught it yet. So that's okay. sort of like a pilot, but I just wanted to put yeah. that there as a future thing that um, 
that is available. And listen, if somebody books it, I'll get it done. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. And I you love know, that. And I, how, you know, how that's so needed right now really for, for that. So that I think I love that you're doing that. Yeah. So uh, I'm working on, on that and just kind of exploring right now at this stage, I'm kind of looking for something a little different and I don't know, I still love my clients and, and working yeah. with with one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm not sure doing a lot of podcasts yeah. and not <laughs> sure what's going to be next yet. So I'm kind of in that yeah. open mind state. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, so if anybody has an idea or, or yeah. wants to ping me for anything, I'm, I'm open to hearing. Open to hearing. Wow. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have no doubt whatever you decide to do, you will do it. Um, because just the way you live your life. And again, I've always, I said this earlier today, I'm very impressed by the way you carry yourself. Again, I, I love that you're also honest about, hey, I still have my struggles and I still struggle here or there. But yet, I just, again, I I, I keep coming back to the word, you're very bold. <laughs> you call it blunt, or, <laughs> but I just love that you just- Well, I like, I, like, I, like, I like bold better. Yeah. Bold. You, you, yeah. You, love, you love asking the questions. You're not afraid to ask the questions. And I think we need to all be more like that. I've learned a ton from you today already. Um, I'm I'm going to be on a TV talk show on Thursday, which I've been Ooh. on quite a bit. But I've learned a bunch just by researching you and seeing all the great things you're doing. That's going to help me with that. So thank you for that. <laughs> so you've helped me. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah, just by sitting here talking to you. So thank you for that. And um, I love what you're doing. Um, I, I want to encourage all of our listeners to not only... After you're done listening to this, I want you to share this episode with everyone that you know. Um, please go get Susan's book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. Let's help her out. Let's help get her message out to more people. If, you, if you're interested in creating your own story and getting it where you want to be, please reach out to her. I'll have all her contact information in the show notes. And obviously, you can tell she's very approachable. And you know what? She's not afraid to ask. So don't be afraid to ask her, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. So, for, thank you for so being so generous. And you're so kind to all of your guests. I mean, that really, oh, I think you. we need more kindness and compassion in every yeah. right now. And you really demonstrate mm -hmm. that. And I think that thank that's, you. Um, you know, you, you, um, my, my BFF, she said, okay, so this is the year of awe, wonder, and I'm always forgetting the third one. So I'm just going to say adventure. It wasn't that, yeah. but I think you really represent those oh, things too. Like that you have you. this capacity for, for wonder and awe. And you really bring that out in your um, podcast and for, I know for your, your clients as well. So thank you for that. No, that means a lot. Thanks. You just made my day. So thank you. No, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate all that you, the good you're doing. And I uh, can't wait to get this message out to my listeners and followers and, and uh, here to support you in any way that I can. And uh, so hopefully we can build a, you know, a sort of a friendship as we move forward. So it's just great to finally meet you, Susan. And again, grateful for all you're doing. Thank you so much. You bet. Well, there you go, listeners. I told you that today is going to be great. Susan Harrow, please reach out to her, uh, prsecrets.com and check out all the great things that she's doing. And uh, please share this episode, like I said, with all your loved ones that are around you who may need a little pick me up and maybe a push in the right direction. So thank you for your support. And again, thanks to my sponsors. I love you guys. And one last thank you to, to Susan. Thank you for being a light in this world that we can all follow. 
I so appreciate you. And thank you everyone for listening and being a follower of Todd, because obviously you get a lot of um, fulfillment and enjoyment and encouragement. Thank you. That's beautiful. Till next time, everyone.